Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Our scripture reading this morning will be taken from the book of Mark, the 11th chapter, and the first 11 verses, beginning with the first. And when they drew near to Jerusalem and to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found the coat tied at the door out in the open street, and they untied it. And those who stood there said to them, What are you doing untying the coat? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the coat to Jesus and threw their garments on it. And he sat upon it, and many spread their garments on the road, and others spread leafy branches which they had cut from the field. And those who went before and those who followed cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Lord, help us this morning to understand something of our relationship to what is being said here in our living today. think together this morning, keep in mind those words of where Jesus is saying and telling them who went for this means of transportation for him that he has need of it. You are wanted. In the post office, you can find on the wall a list of those people who are wanted. And they read something like this, the RV plow, and then it gives the height and so forth and gives as many aliases that he has gone by in the last few years. And it tells about how he has robbed and how he has attempted to kill and how he has broken out of prison. And they wind up by saying that he is dangerous in all probability armed. So notify the authorities, do not try to apprehend. He is wanted. Well, a man is wanted for what he has done. And all that he has done has been bad. And so, therefore, he is wanted for a different reason. Beloved, you are wanted too. And what a difference it is. The reason that you are wanted is because of the fantastic things that you can do and have the possibility of doing. You're wanted not to be confined or locked up, incarcerated, but you are wanted in order to be able to be set free, to be liberated. That's why you're wanted. You are wanted because, as of now, your life may have been lived in a limited way. But God wants you to know His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in order that your life may be expanded like you had never ever dreamed that it could have been before. You, too, are wanted in a very special way. My, what a difference it is in God wanting you to set you free and to give you the life that He intended for you to have. Was it not the intent purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ coming into the world? 
that he told us that he came in order that we might be able to have life and that we might be able to have it more abundantly? Well, of course he did. And beloved, you're wanted in order that Jesus Christ might not have come in vain, uh, that your life can be fulfilled and be a creative one as all of God's creation really is. Now, beloved, consider with me for a few moments these facts. God went to a great deal of trouble to create a beautiful world for us to live in. He has filled it with all types of wonderful, beautiful living things. He does give to us the sunshine to brighten our hearts. He also gives to us the rain to sustain our lives and to keep everything beautiful within his creation. And right in the midst of all of his beautiful things that God has brought forth, he has placed man at the very center of it to love it and to care for it for him. He has placed you right in the midst of all of his creation. Now isn't that a pleasant thought to think about? He didn't just create this beautiful world in which we live and have no one to enjoy it, but he brought you into existence in order that you might be involved in it and that you might be caught up in it and that you might be the most important living part of all of his creation. But I think uh, many of us can appreciate uh, something of the feeling of Elijah. You remember that beautiful story of Elijah where that he got so depressed and upset and uh, thought that God didn't know what he was doing and certainly his people didn't know what they were doing that he decided that he would leave them. And so he winds up, you remember, up in the mountains, up there in a cave. And there he was. It probably would have been there yet if it had not been for God looking at the situation. You remember God appeared to him in a fashion and spoke to him. And asked him, said, Elijah, what are you doing up here? And you remember the pitiful story that Elijah told him. He said, now, Lord, you know I have been faithful unto you. And I have done all the things that you have called me to do. And I have tried to do and be honorable in everything. And carry out the mission that you have given to me. But you know, Lord, they have killed all the good people. All the good people are dead. They have killed every one of them. And I am the only one left. And they seek my life. And Lord, that's why I'm up here hiding out. You remember what God said to him? He said, now Elijah, let me tell you something. That I have two kings down here to be anointed, to be king. Now I need you to go down there and anoint those two men that I've selected to be rulers over my people. I want you to go down there and anoint them. Elijah overlooked that fact. He said, now on the other hand, he said, I want to tell you, he says, I've got some 7,000 people down there that are faithful to me. They have never bowed down to Baal in any way. They have never had any pagan god in their life. And they're in effect waiting for you to come down there and give to them some leadership. Now, what are you doing hiding up here in this cave? Now, I suppose most of us from time to time have felt sort of like Elijah. That we the only ones that's left and they're after us. And just a good case of feeling sorry for yourself. God created a marvelous thing and put you right smack in the middle of it in order that you might accept the responsibility for it and be co-workers with him in creation and attending it and taking care of it. Sometimes it gets to be a hassle though, doesn't it? And we want to slip away from our responsibility. Let us remember the encounter that Elijah had with God when he 
began to try to sneak away from his responsibility. Well, I can think of Jonah. You know, I, I can appreciate Jonah. I can really appreciate him. And you know that story as well as I do. You've known it from your youth up. And you know when God called him to go over to Nineveh and to take charge over there and to give those people an opportunity to know God. You remember it was at that time that I don't know what Jonah had in mind. He thought, that, well, maybe Nineveh was hot and difficult people and they'd be mean and cruel to him and wouldn't pay attention to him anyway. So he thought that would be a good time to take a cruise. Have you ever felt like that? That when the church calls for you to do something or God calls for you to do something that's a little bit difficult, a little hard, and may have a little sweat involved in it and a little distress and maybe a little loss of sleep. Have you ever felt that way, that you just like to bypass that? Well, I felt that way many times. I just like to take a cruise somewhere and have it all done when I get back. Now, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful, fish of fam of the church, if you didn't have to make a decision come tomorrow night or some night here within the future? in relation to the awesome responsibility that we have as a church in this community. Wouldn't it be wonderful that if you could just bypass this and just let it happen and then you come back and say, Oh my, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? But God doesn't do things that way. He gets us right smack in the middle of it. And you're called. And you are responsible for your life and for your actions. You know, I think it's the Moravian church. I saw this symbol somewhere. I thought I had placed it where I could put my hands on it when I wanted to use it. But that Moravian symbol has three objects in it. It has an ox and an altar on one side and a plow on the other. Now it stands out there bold and clear what is being said by that symbol. Here this old ox is right between the altar and the plow. As if to say, okay... If it suits my master better for me to plow, then we will plow. But if it suits my master better to offer me as a sacrifice upon the altar, then I will be offered as a sacrifice. But here in the name of God we stand. You know, seemingly that's the position that God has placed us in, you and I. Now we may sort of look at the situation chaff a little bit, but not really. Isn't it wonderful? Oh, beloved, is it not wonderful that God thinks so much of us, that he has given to us such great opportunities and such great privileges and such wonderful opportunities to serve and to serve his people and to be creative in bringing people to him? I do not know of a people anywhere, any place, or a church that God has called and given any greater opportunity than he has given to you and I. And you know, when we really stop to think about it, Aren't you glad that God is mindful of you? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that he knows where you are? And aren't you glad that you're in a position where you can do something for him and for his people? I take heart when I think about this beast, this donkey that the Lord Jesus Christ needed. Now, we have lost the nobility of this beast today. But in the days of the Lord Jesus Christ before him, this beast had a noble position, always a possession of a king. The king used it as a means of transportation. 
He used it to visit with his people and to be out visible where his people could see him. This beast had a noble position. Jesus says, I have need of it. And think about it. This animal carried the Lord Jesus Christ to his crowning in effect. Led him to the time when the people recognized the Lord Jesus Christ publicly as being the Messiah. The King. The Son of David. The one that has been promised to us. It was this lowly beast that carried the Lord Jesus Christ to this great peak of his ministry. And the people responded to it. And they cried out, Hosanna! And the people said, those who didn't like it, tell them to shut up, they're making too much racket. And Jesus said to them that if they were quiet, the very stones would cry out. How would you like to be caught up in a situation like that? Where you know that you know that you know that you're standing in the very presence of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, and beloved, we are. Consider these needs of the Lord Jesus Christ now. Beloved, he needs, your, he needs your mind. He needs your mind to dream with and to have visions. You have a beautiful thing given to you and that is your mind. And this mind is capable and has the possibility of thinking the thoughts of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that? You can think the thoughts of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, of course you can. You have this marvelous ability and capability that God has given to you to think the thoughts of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I still contend that the greatest discoveries that's going to be made in all probability within this century and within our lifetime is going to be in relation to the mind-to-man that God created when the seven-eighth of this mind that we call the subconscious mind is going to be unlocked. And we're going to be able to see how marvelous it really is. And to do things, to see things, and to be involved in things that we had never dreamed was a possibility for man to be caught up in. And God gave that to you when he created you. The Lord Jesus his mind had no limitation. None. And you can think like him. But it seems for us to be easier to think in a negative way than to think like the Lord Jesus Christ thought. You can use this beautiful mind to have a great dream and a great vision. You can have a great thought or someone else can have a great thought. And you can think, well, that is fantastic. That is wonderful. That is a great thought. And then within the next instant, you can think of 40 jillion reasons why that this thought or this dream will never come to pass. You have that problem? Is it easier for you to take this marvelous mind of yours that Jesus freed of its limitations, really, and you can dream and vision as you will, but you can take this mind of ours, and it seems to be so easy for us to do it, and to think of all the different reasons why we cannot do something or we will not be able to do the things that we think and that we have dreamed about. Oh, you can dream about giving your soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can dream about going back to school. You can dream about going to church. 
You can dream about teaching. You can dream about whatever is in your mind that you, a great thought that you have or need that you see that God's people have or that you have. Dream about building a building. And then immediately you can think of 14 different reasons why you cannot do it. Well, those are words that should never come from a, the lips of one who has committed the Lord Jesus Christ. I cannot do it. Shouldn't fall from our lips. Wonder why God gave to you the capacity to dream, to dream, and to see things that hasn't been called into existence yet. Beloved, did you know that everything in your sight before it came into existence was a thought in the mind somewhere, someplace. It staggers my imagination and my mind. But this building, before it was turned into a reality, was only a dream. Only a dream. It is only in existence because there were those people who were willing to take the dream and turn it into a reality and pay the price for it. But we are so preoccupied with what we cannot do. And if you're not careful, you're so preoccupied with what you can't do that you never get around to doing what God has called you to do. I'll tell you that the most magnificent, the most marvelous thing, the most marvelous thing, the most awesome thing, the most awing thing that I have ever encountered in my life, you know what it is? A human brain. I have often said to people who are distressed of mind and soul and spirit, who come to find their way through the wilderness that they're in, and I talk to those people who would be counselors, and I say to them, take off your shoes when you begin to deal with a mind because you're walking on holy ground, just as Moses walked on a long time ago. You're careful about the situation. It is an awesome thing. And beloved, you have a marvelous one. You have a marvelous one. And you're only using just part of it. Even the best of us. Only the best of us. Wouldn't it not be wonderful if we could really pay attention to what the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ said at the time of the wedding feast. You remember when they'd used up all the wine and it had depleted the wine supply? And she told her servants, Now you do what Jesus tells you to do. As is to say to them, Now it may not make sense to you, but what he tells you to do, you do it. Well, it didn't make sense to anyone to just to fill the wine jars up with water, but they did it. Just do what Jesus tells you to do, and this thing is going to be all right, and you're going to be all right. It may not make sense to you, but you just do it. Jesus needs that type of a mind. And I'm telling you that you have that type of mind. He needs your mind to think with. He needs your mind to dream with. He needs your mind to call people to him and to his kingdom. He needs your mind in order that you might be able to dream in such a way that you can do things that will call people to be mindful of the fact that God is God and the Lord Jesus Christ is Savior. And in the last place... You're wanted, not only because you have a beautiful, capable mind. Not your neighbor. They have one too, but you have. You have. 
And you're wanted because you have a heart. A heart that is capable of greatness, care, and concern for all of God's creation. And all the Lord Jesus Christ needed to feed the thousands was a young lad with a willing heart and a few pieces of bread and a few pieces of fish. It's all he needed to take him to be crowned king and lord of lords and for the people to see him as the Messiah was a lowly possession of a man that we know as a donkey. You know, I have in my lifetime, as you have, you have seen many expressions of God's love, have you not? Let me call just two or three to put before you to show you what I'm talking about that's made something great to me. I remember a few years ago in Colorado, the first time I'd ever heard of the Continental Divide before I'd been out there, but I remember one day in the fall being up on the peak in that area of the Continental Divide. And I remember something of the feeling and the awesomeness of it as I stood there and could look in every direction and see like you wouldn't believe because the air was clear and it was a beautiful fall sunny day. I can still sense something of the feeling that I had. I can't recall it completely and totally, of course. But it burned itself into my heart and into my mind. Beautiful. What an awesome thing God has wrought. What an awesome thing, and I am part of it. Then just a few years ago, while we were at Brandenburg, the family ministering down there, I discovered another most beautiful thing and a most wonderful thing at that place, and that is down the Ohio River, just below the old boat dock there at Brandenburg. It's gone now. Down below the town there, about a mile and a half or two miles, you know that the river takes a turn to the right. And the river at that place is flowing directly west. And when the sun goes down, about this time of the year, it sets right in that river. The reflection of it is absolutely breathtaking. And we discovered it. And I would go home many a time. I would run home from visiting and being out. And I'd get the wife and Buzz and Dad and put them in the car. And there's probably two little nobody's going on. We'd go down to the river and stand there like four nuts, looking down the river, and watch the sun go down. I can still almost feel it. The awesomeness of it. The beauty of it. The wonder of it. Well, if you're ever down at Brandenburg, you may want to check it out. Anyhow, you have discovered in nature awesome things like that that you can pinpoint. It meant something to you. Beautiful awesomeness of it. But beloved, let me tell you something. The most beautiful and the most awesome thing that I have ever seen in my life has always come through another human heart. Listen to that fantastic statement. The most awesome and the most beautiful thing that I have ever witnessed and this life has come, without exception, through the heart of another human being. The heart of another human being. I remember a man telling me, as old as I am, lived quite a while. He told me this story about a young man, 14 years of age, something happened to his family and he has turned out in the world. 
to make it on his own. No place to sleep, no place to go. He lived that way for a while, broke into home and stole many valuable possessions and tried to sell them. And in trying to sell them, he was caught, convicted of the crime, and was sentenced to prison or to jail. When he was released, the judge called him back before him. And there was a man that lived in that town, a man and his wife. They didn't have any children. God did not bless them with children. And he went to the judge and said to the judge, I want this young man to come and to live with me. We will take care of him, the wife and I. We've talked it over. The judge knew this man very well because he's a very wealthy man in town. The judge said to him, Do you know what you're doing? This boy is the very one that stole your valuables from your house. He is the one that robbed you. He says, I know it. But the wife and I have talked it over. And we want this young man, if he will, come and live with us as our son, if you will permit it. The judge said the deed is done. If he will go, he is welcome to go. He went. This young man did. And lived with this couple until he was able to establish his own home in due time. Married. And when his adopted father and mother were old, he tended them very carefully, very carefully. Tended them every day, even though he worked hard. Until they died. The most beautiful thing that I have ever seen has come through the heart of another person. That young man that was caught stealing was one of the same that told me that story. The most beautiful thing that I have ever seen in all of God's creation, all of his wonder, has always been in relation to another human being. Beloved, God did not make a mistake when he gave you such a marvelous mind to think thoughts after him. And look at the marvelous thing that he did. You can dream these beautiful dreams and you can surround them with a beautiful heart that can express itself in care and love and tenderness more beautifully than any other part of all of God's creation. It is no wonder that you're wanted. Our Father, help us then that we might be able to see something of the position that we have within all of creation and especially with thee and help us to respond to it as we have opportunity to do so for we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of his words, finishing the work he started in making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven. 